Well, if you have your Bibles open, we're in Luke chapter 17, and we've been focused in recent weeks on our school of prayer. Now, you've heard many great sermons on prayer through the years, if you've been in our church, and you've read great books about prayer, and you've been to Bible study, Sunday school classes, you've got all the data. But what we're hoping to do in these eight or nine weeks is to take all of that good information, take everything that the Bible teaches about prayer and put it into a, put it into a package that we can understand and embrace such that it might genuinely change our prayer lives. I want all of us to look back on these eight or nine weeks a year from now or 10 years from now if the Lord tarries and say that my prayer life changed that God changed my prayer life in those weeks. And so that's our, that's our goal. We're right in the middle of this. And today we come to Luke chapter 17. We started by laying down the foundation of prayer, why it's important, some, some important things to know. We then said that there is a secret to prayer, Luke 18, 1, that we must continue to pray and not give up. And then we began to look at some models for prayer. We said that there are three models that we would all learn and that we would use these models in our lives as the Lord led us. I use all three models almost every week. This last week, I've used all of these models for prayer. So the first one is what we're calling CHAT, C-H-A-T. And we're spending a great amount of time on CHAT because those four elements, C and H and A and T, become the foundation for the other two models of prayer. The second model of prayer that I believe we'll do next week is praying the Bible. How do we pray the Bible? And that may be something you're less familiar with than these others, but I promise you it'll be life-changing. And then the final week, and it may take us two weeks, we're going to focus on the Lord's Prayer. We're saving the best for last, and we'll learn how the Lord's Prayer could be a model for prayer. But right now we're in this chat. And so when I pray almost every morning, I begin with a chat with the Lord. C stands for confess. I take a moment or two and I confess my sins before the Lord. This is the best part of prayer because the truth is I am guilty of sins. And the truth is that Jesus is the savior and that he forgives us and cleanses us. So we should look forward to this time of confession. So I begin with C, confession. H is honor. After confessing my sins, I honor the Lord, not for what he's done, but for who he is. I honor him because he's beautiful and powerful and righteous. He is eternal and he never changes. He is faithful and he is trustworthy. And I talk to God about how wonderful and how great he is. And then A is ask. I ask God for things. The Bible commands us to ask God for the things that are important to us. And I ask for me and for my family. I ask for uh, the church. I ask for the people who, uh, who, who I know who are going through difficult times. I ask for things. And then the final part of that, T, is for thanksgiving. And that's where we'll focus our, our time today. Uh, I want us to look as I've said in Luke chapter 17, and we'll just begin by reading a story. It's a historical account, something that happened in the life of Christ. Uh, it's a short story, but it's very interesting. Let me read it, and then I'll make a few, I'll make a few comments. Luke 17, 11 says, while traveling to Jerusalem, 
He passed between Samaria and Galilee. This is Jesus. He's traveling and he passes between these regions. As he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy. And so if you're going to underline a word that's important, underline 10. 10 men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And when they were going, they were cleansed. And so they had this terrible disease called leprosy. uh, And they cry out to Christ and he uh, heals them of their leprosy. They're told to go to the priest because in those days to get out of quarantine, so to speak, uh, you had to be approved by the priest. Uh, We don't do that today, okay? If you're sick, you don't need to come see the preacher. Go see somebody that can help you. Uh, But they would go and see the preacher. They would see the priest, and he would declare them healed if they were. Verse 15 says, but one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and gave glory to God. That's the most important verse in the passage. Uh, But one of them, that's another key word, one, how many? One. One of them, seeing that he was healed, returned. That's a key word. He returned and with a loud voice, loud, that's a key word. We'll come back to each of these. He gave glory to God. Verse 16, he fell face down at his, at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, then Jesus said, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, this is what Jesus said to the one, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. This is a story about a man who gave thanksgiving to Christ. And in that expression, everything changed. Let me tell you why it's important that we give thanksgiving. First of all, few things in life have as much power to make a real and and immediate change in our lives as giving thanksgiving. If you will just have a thankful heart, it will have such a change, such an impact in your life. And it's interesting, it'll have an an immediate impact in your life. I uh, was talking to a missionary in Kenya uh, one time, and it was a very impoverished area. People were very sick, almost everybody there, uh, no health care. And he was talking about the kind of mission trips. This was a pastor there. He was talking about the kind of mission trips from churches that were most beneficial for the gospel, uh, for him to share the gospel. Churches from America would send people in, and, and, and he would use this as a part of their ministry to the, to the community, to the people. And he said, interestingly enough, he said, I would rather you send me 10 doctors. No, I said that backwards. He said, I would rather you send me 10 dentists than to send me 10 doctors. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Now, he wanted doctors, and they desperately needed doctors. That was a real need there, and doctors made a real difference when they, when they could come and, and care for their for their people. But why do you think he wanted dentists even more than doctors? He said, because when you bring a dentist in, he said, all these people that'll come to the clinic, they're all sick. 
He said, but if you, if you bring a doctor in and they have malaria, the, not the doctor, hopefully, but the, but the patient has malaria, he said the doctor will treat them, but they're not going to be better by the end of the day, right? No doctor can, can make your malaria better in two hours. He said, so we tell people to take these pills that they don't understand or to, or to do these things that uh, just seem like magic to them. And there is no immediate effect. He said, but all of them have abscesses. Have you ever had a tooth that uh, uh, was, ab- I'm not sure I'm using the right language, but you know what I mean. They, uh, they're in great pain. He said, when they would see the dentist, He said it would make an immediate change. Two hours later, they're feeling better than they have felt in years. He said, and it made it so much easier for them then to share the the gospel. Now, what, what am I saying with all of that? There are so many components to worshiping God. All of them are important. You need to... Uh, You need to give. We talked about giving a moment ago. That's a part of worshiping God. You need to study the Bible and know scripture. That's a part of worshiping God. You need to honor God. You need to lament over your sins. There are all these components and they all make a serious and significant difference in your life. But there's one thing that makes an immediate difference in your life. And what is that? Thanksgiving. And I'm going to show you how this works in a moment. But if you, if you stopped right now, spent three minutes expressing thanksgiving to God, in three minutes your life would be different. See, see it's, there, there are many important parts of worship, just like there are many important critical parts of health. But the one that makes the quickest difference oftentimes is your teeth. And the one that makes the quickest difference in our spiritual lives oftentimes is, is thanksgiving. There's another reason why it's important. Nothing will supercharge your prayers more than expressing things. When people pray, they, they want to feel something at the end of their prayers. Now, because you feel something at the end of your prayers does not mean that your prayer was greater or more effective than it would have been had you not had a feeling. But still, that's something that we want, right? People want to pray and they want to feel good at the end of their prayer. Here's the key to that. If you'll end your prayer with thanksgiving, you will feel good at the end of your prayer. And I think it'll make you more consistent in your praying because you will love what it feels like to end your prayer with thanksgiving. I'll show you why in a moment. And then finally, thanksgiving delights the Lord. I've I've changed my prayers for Sunday morning worship in the last six weeks. And if you uh, are one of the people who come to our seven o'clock Sunday morning prayer time, we pray right here for our services, uh, seven o'clock to 7.15 every Sunday morning. You've heard, perhaps, if you, you know, paid attention, but you've heard my prayers have changed. I still pray that God will be present in our worship services. I still pray that, that God will make the things I say clear to people. I pray for the music. I pray, I pray for all the things that you would ordinarily pray for. But, 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 but here, here's the change. And, and it's not that I've never prayed for this before, but now this is the biggest part of my prayer. I pray that God will be delighted by our worship service. Does that make sense? I want you to be blessed by the worship service. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to leave here and say, I felt the presence of God in that place. I felt, 
I, I was so encouraged when we, when we worship God through song. I want you to leave here and say the truth of God's word changed my life. But we're really not here for any of those reasons. Don't you understand? We're not here for what we get out of this. No, we've gathered here on Sunday morning because he is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of us taking a couple of hours out of, our, out of our week and coming together and just worshiping him for an hour. Sometimes people will say, well, pastor, I don't really get anything out of church. Well, I, I mean, that saddens me, but that was never the point. <laughs> it's not that you would get something out of church. It's that God would get something out of the church. And my prayer is that God would be delighted by us coming together and singing to him and responding to his word. Thanksgiving, when we give thanks, it delights the Lord. And that's reason enough to do it. So Luke chapter 17, we've read the verses. Uh, I'm going to do something I don't do often, but it, at least I'll confess to it before I do it. I'm going to preach a message from this uh, passage now uh, that I've preached before right here. I preached it on November the 19th, 2017, and so I know a lot of you were here then, and this will be a repeat. I don't do that often. I'll always tell you when I do, but sometimes I study a passage of Scripture, and I think I don't know any better way to say it than how I've already said it, and so I could give you the B version, or I could just go back to the old way, and so it's a repeat, but I think, um, I think it'll be an encouragement. How can we learn... How, how can we learn to be thankful people from this story of the 10, of the 10 lepers? Well, a couple of things you need to know before we jump into the, uh, into, the, into the lessons. First of all, I want you to notice the division between the nine and the one. So there were 10 lepers. 10 men had leprosy. How many were, how many were healed of their leprosy? Did you follow it closely enough? Do you know the number? How many? 10, 10. Okay, so 10 lepers, all 10 healed. But here's the division. Nine went on, one returned. So we got two groups, a big group and a small group, nine and one. That's important to notice. Now, their gratitude determines how long their healing lasted. Now, you have to read between the lines here, but let's just think about it logically. For the nine people who didn't return, they were healed, they had a terrible disease, and they were healed, but how long did their healing last? Well, it, it didn't last very long. Um, I'm not suggesting that they got leprosy again, but in the next 10 years, or 20 years, or 50 years, what happened to those 10 men, those nine men? They all died, right? I mean, none of them are here this morning, are they? I mean, all those men died, and so they were healed, but their healing, their health was only temporary. It was a very temporary blessing, and even if they lived another 50 years, it was still temporary. But what do we know about the one that returned? His healing was eternal. Why do we know that? Because of the last verse in the section that says, uh, or the, the next to the last verse in the section uh, that, that says that uh, that God saved him. He becomes a child of God. He's in heaven today rejoicing with God. His healing was not temporary. His healing was, was permanent. And that's important to know because, 
Because the difference in these two groups of people is the same difference that you see in the lives of people today. You see, the one who received eternal healing, the one who was saved, uh, he didn't have a lot of the advantages that we have. He didn't know about the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. It had not yet happened. He hadn't read the theology in the book of Romans. It hadn't been written. But he knew this. He knew that God had healed him and that now he should live his whole life. He should orient his life to give thanksgiving to God. And that made all the difference. The other nine had an encounter with God and their life, their focus was on themselves. Now, we are saved. The theology of our salvation, we call it substitutionary atonement. You ever heard that phrase? It's, a, it's a, uh, the word of the theologians, but it describes something that you're familiar with, that I'm guilty of sin and my only hope was Christ and Christ died for my sins. He became the substitute for my sin penalty so that I can have eternal life. That's substitutionary atonement. Now, when you talk to someone who is considering following Christ, that's usually not their hangup. They don't usually say, well, that's, that sounds crazy. I don't believe that. No, their hang-up is, is different. Their hang-up is that they don't want to trust that and then live their whole lives where, where their life is about, God, I'm thankful for that. You, you, you see, whether we truly trust Christ to forgive our sins will be reflected in whether or not we have a heart that is thankful to God. That's where people get, get caught up. And this man... This one man, his healing was permanent because he lived his life uh, expressing thanksgiving to God. Now, with that in mind, let's walk through here and learn these three principles for thanksgiving. Number one, thankfulness is only thankfulness when it is expressed. Thankfulness is only thankfulness when it is expressed. Now, how many of these 10 men who were healed of leprosy, how many of them were thankful? Well, I think there were 10, right? I mean, don't you agree? I'm sure none of these men said, rats, Jesus just ruined a perfectly good case of leprosy. No, they were thankful, but Jesus has a different opinion, right? I think 10 men were thankful. Jesus, look closely at the story. He believes just one was thankful. So why the difference? Why does Jesus say one and I say 10, you say 10? Why, why, do we, why is there a difference here? Well, it's because we define thankfulness differently. The way you and I define thankfulness is a warm feeling in our hearts. I'm sure all 10 of these men were thankful in their heart. But how does Jesus define thankfulness? He says thankfulness is not thankfulness unless it is expressed. That was the difference in the one, not what he felt in his heart, but what he expressed with his lips. And so Jesus said only one person is thankful because the way Jesus measures thankfulness is by what you say, not what you feel in your hearts. And we know that this is true and uh, because this is a, 
a little bit of a repeat. You've heard these illustrations before, but, but they're certainly, well, they help us understand this. I, I remember in the days that I did a lot more marriage counseling than I uh, can do now, but I would sit with, uh, with a man and a woman who were at odds, a married couple at odds, and this was a pretty typical marriage counseling uh, situation. The woman would say, my husband doesn't appreciate anything I do. Any of you ladies ever thought that? And then she'll start on her list. I do this for him. I do this for the family. I sacrifice this. I put them first in this. I'm, I show him kindness in this way. And she'll go through a whole list of things that she does. And she'll say, he doesn't appreciate any of it. And I'm thinking, well, you really married, married a loser. I mean, you're, you're so, you've been so kind to him. And so I'll look to him and I'll say, sir, is that true? What do you think he says? Of course I appreciate her. I appreciate all the stuff that she, that she just mentioned. And he'll usually pull out a few more things. There's even some other things. She didn't even put everything on the list. I'm also thankful for this, this, and that. Now, what's the difference? Is she lying? Is he lying? No, they're defining thankfulness differently. He thinks he's thankful because he can feel it in his heart. She thinks he is not because he has never said it with his lips. She has one definition. He has a different definition. Now, listen, men, this is free, okay? She's right. You're wrong. If you want her to know you're thankful, you've got to say it. All right, back to the sermon. If I preach on that too much, my wife will remind me all week long. I could show it to you in another way. Have you ever given somebody a gift, I mean a special gift, perhaps you spent extra money on it or, or, or you just worked really hard picking it out and you give it to them and, and you never hear a word. That bothers you, right? Right? And what you're thinking is, they are not thankful for what I did. But are they? Of course they're thankful in their heart. They, they don't take that gift home and say, this makes me so mad that they showed me this kindness. No, they're thankful in their heart. So why do you say they're not thankful? Because they didn't say it. That's what Jesus says here. He says only one was thankful because only one said it. Now, are you thankful for what the Lord has done for you? You thankful for your salvation, for your forgiveness? You're thankful for your family, you're thankful for your health, you're thankful for the way that God gives you peace, love, joy, the fruit of the Spirit. Are you thankful for the faithfulness of God, the kindness of God? Are you, are you thankful for those things? Why do you think you're thankful? See, if you haven't said it, then you're not, okay? We, we are so much like the nine lepers. We walk away from church and we say, oh, I'm, we think, I'm so thankful for what God has done and who God is. But God says, if you don't say it, you're not thankful. Thankfulness is only thankfulness when it is expressed. Number two, thankfulness begins with a conscious choice. Thankfulness is not some passive thing that happens to the fortunate people. 
Uh, Well, if my life were easier, I would be thankful. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) Thankfulness is a choice that you make. I mean, here's an example. Ten men had leprosy. They were all in the exact same circumstance. Ten men were healed. They all got the same blessing, but only one returned thanks. Why? Because only one chose to return thanks. Thankfulness is not something that happens to you. If it were, all ten people would have been thankful. Thankfulness is a choice that you make. The Bible even gives a command, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in everything. Now somebody will be thinking, well, pastor, if, if you, you don't have any idea how hard my life is. Well, you're, you're probably right. I don't. But I do know that there are still things that you could choose to be thankful for even in the midst of the storm. You might say, well, the one... He was healed of leprosy. Well, hasn't God done more for you than that? Forgiveness of sins, the blessings of God. We can choose to be thankful. And all of us can can recall examples of people we've known who have been in the most difficult hours of life, but they've chosen somehow even then to be thankful. I can remember a couple of the cockerels, a church I served in a bunch of years ago, their daughter, I think she was about 23 years old. She sang on the church praise team. She had recently been married in the last year or so. She was the darling of the church. Everybody loved Allison. Um, well, she died in a car accident, tragic car accident. She died on impact. And um, oh, it just, you can imagine, it upset the whole church. And her parents were in the church, and I knew them well. And so after we got over the initial shock of things, the first hour or two, they actually were out of town. I had to call them and tell them it was very, very difficult. But eventually I'm sitting in their home and I'm trying to encourage them. And so I asked them to sit down and trying to think of something very pastoral to say. And so I began with, I am so sorry that Allison has died. And Allison was a good friend of mine. I mean, we were all upset and they stopped me. And they said, Pastor, we are, of course, saddened that we've lost our daughter. We're saddened that we won't get to, you know, see her have a family and grow up. But we're also thankful that God let us have her for 23 years. And see, I know you can say that and be very trite. But when they looked at me and said that, I knew that that was real to them. It wasn't natural. The natural thing was to go into hysterics, but it was real. They had made a choice. We will be thankful. Thankfulness is always a choice. And then the third thing we we understand about thankfulness from this passage is nothing pays greater dividends in life than thankfulness. We've already seen that with Lep. That's what I like to call him uh, here in this passage. Uh, He ends up knowing the Lord. He ends up being a child of God because of his thankfulness. But let me share with you just a couple of other ways that thankfulness changes our life. Number one, joy grows in the soil of thankfulness. And this is a whole other sermon from another passage of scripture. But just know that the Bible teaches that, that unhappiness and thankfulness, that there's an inverse connection between the two. Think of this as a seesaw. And when your thankfulness goes up, Your unhappiness will go down, not sometimes, not occasionally, not later on next week, a month from now, 
but always and immediately. When your thankfulness goes up, and remember, we're not talking about a feeling in your heart. We're talking about an expression that you're giving. When your thankfulness goes up, your unhappiness will go down. And when your thankfulness goes down, your unhappiness will go up. There's connection here that is biblical and undeniable. Joy grows in the soil of thankfulness. You show me a person who's filled with joy. I'll show you a person who often expresses his or her thanksgiving to God and to others every time. Another, another benefit here is thankfulness alters our perspective. Uh, it, it changes what you see. If you were to sit down and begin to make a list of all the reasons in your life to be miserable, you know what would happen? You would be miserable, okay? Uh, if you want to ruin your marriage, go home, take a piece of paper and just write at the top of it, all the things I don't like about my spouse. And you just, number one, number two, number three, you know how many you can write down? You will never run out because, because the more you think of, the more you will think of. But if you want to bless your marriage, you go home and take a piece of paper and write the things I'm thankful for, for my sp from about my spouse. You know how many you can write down? You'll never run out because thankfulness alters our perspective, and the more you are thankful, the more you will be thankful for. I've often looked at people that, that are just thankful all the time, and I've thought, you know, I'd like to be like them. Well, I can be like them. You know how you get to be like them? You just start. You just, you get up in the morning, have your prayer time, and end with 10 minutes of being thankful. Give God a list. I'm telling you, your whole day will be different. It'll, it'll change your perspective. Now let's come back to prayer because that's our, that's our focus. Every day I pray, C-H-A-T, I confess, I honor, I ask, but I end with, with thank, thankfulness. End your prayer by telling God what you're thankful for. Don't be satisfied that it is a warm feeling in your heart, but express it to God. Make a list, say it aloud. It will establish your habit of prayer It'll reorient your focus to the goodness of God, and it'll delight your Father. Are you ready to be a person of prayer? Just commit to thanksgiving. Just commit to thanksgiving. I, I write or type in my prayers, uh, not everything I say, but it helps me to stay focused. And so when I get to tea, I just make a list, church. You might say, well, pastor, I would think, uh, you know, you're the pastor and you ought to be better at prayer. You ought to just be able to do it. Well, uh, I love to pray, but there's nothing that keeps you focused like making a list at the end of your prayers of the things you're thankful for. You know, I told you I preached this, uh, at least the last part of this sermon three and a half years ago, preached it here, but 33 years ago, I know I don't look that old, but 33 years ago, I would preach this same passage of scripture. Uh, back then I was preaching to youth and at youth camps and youth retreats and youth revivals, but I would use the same passage of scripture. I'd preach a different message, but I would always end, almost always end with a sermon from Luke 17. And I know we're way over on time, but I gotta give it to you. I gotta give it to you in three minutes. But I, I want you to leave with this on your mind because I believe the Lord will use it to nail this whole idea of thankfulness down. I would tell the youth, 
the story, we would read the story, and I would say there were 10 people, but God only made a difference, ultimately only made the difference in one person's life. 10 people. There are a lot of people here today. God will only make a difference in a handful of lives. You know who God made a difference in his life? Who was it? It was the one who made a decision that was individual. See, he didn't follow the crowd. He didn't do what the rest of them did. He didn't do what the nine did. He made a decision that was individual. He made a decision that was intense. It says he came back and he loudly thanked God. And he made a decision that was immediate. I bet those other nine planned to be thankful in two weeks. But spiritual decisions that are planned in two weeks never happen. But the ones that are immediate, God makes a difference. Ten people, only one of them saw their life change. There are a lot of people here today. You have heard the truth of God's word. But God will make a difference in a handful of lives. It'll be those that make the decision that this man made. Head bowed, eyes closed, let me pray. Father, first of all, there are people here today that have had an experience with you like these nine lepers have had. And they're thankful in their heart for that, but they have never come back and just said, I, I want to live my life thankful to you. I trust that you've provided for me. They need to ask you to be the Lord of their lives. I pray today that'll happen, that they won't worry about other people in the room, the other nine. They won't, they won't do anything but to make an immediate decision to follow you. And I pray that they'll have the courage to step forward and take the hand of one of the ministers in the front of the celebration or the summit service and, and say, today, I want to be the one and I want to see God make a difference in my life. But Father, I have, uh, many of us, we know you as our Savior. And I know because I've preached on thankfulness a thousand times, a hundred times. I know that you'll take this message, this truth, not because I preached it, but because it's in God's word. And you'll use it to make a real difference in a handful of lives. Not in everybody's life, but in a handful of people, this will be life-changing. Father, I pray that one of those is me. And it'll be me if I make the decisions that let made. Father, move in our hearts because of your goodness and your kindness and your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.